<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Cusier, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tonight, I'd like to introduce all of you creeps to the Crypt Keeper's podcast, hosted by Spooky Bruce and Horror Ryan. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. <laughs> hey, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. This is the Crypt Keepers. I'm one of the hosts, Spooky Bruce. Joining me as always, and this one's for real. I'm being serious here. The, the Guinness Book of World Records record holder for the most Marvel tattoos, Horror Ryan. That's, this is for real. This is not a joke. <laughs> Hey, everybody. yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's true. Um, welcome to the Crypt Keepers, a podcast where we analyze episodes of the horror anthology series Tales from the Crypt and the comic books that inspired them. This week, we're taking a look at episode one of season four, None But the Lonely Heart, based on a story from Tales from the Crypt number 33. None but the lonely heart. <laughs> do, I, do, do, do. I couldn't figure out why this was titled that. This is going to be one of those episodes where the comic is actually much different than the show. Very different. I mean, they, they have the same bones. They do, but man, the the way that they get there in the yes. comic, I, I almost said whiplash. Yeah, and the and the comic ending is actually a bit different than the episode ending. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was surprised at how like different they were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those really interesting stories where. Both are good, mm -hmm. but they're so wildly different. Personally, me, I recommend checking both of them out. Yes, yeah. For sure. Um, plus the art in the comic, uh, Graham Ingalls. Oh, yeah. Uh, he kills it. Yes. Literally. Yes, he does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but hey, how are hey, you? But some of the, uh, real quick, I will, I will answer that question in a moment. Yeah. The special effects in this episode, the makeup effects. Oh, they're great. Are spot on. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh my they're gosh. Wonderful. I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. How have you been doing? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, yeah. uh, I do have some news, but yeah. I um, maybe the listeners w would want to go on this the journey of the story. Let's go, the, let's go on the journey. It's interesting. You already know yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. But um, over the last, I don't know, 12-ish years, mm -hmm. I've slowly been collecting Marvel comic book tattoos, um, mainly just to have like a hero and a villain sleeve. Mm -hmm. And after I got those sleeves done, I wanted to continue on my back. And that was around the time that I actually heard that there was a world record because mm -hmm. I had no idea it existed. Um, when I found out about the record, I was only a few away. So here's this incredible, weird journey. So I apply for the world record. And now, how I, many do you have? I have 34. How many was the record? 31. Okay. And I applied, in which you have to give them every piece of information, mm -hmm. videos. Um, medical personnel counting the tattoos, mm -hmm. making sure they're legit. I had to send my birth certificate. Mm -hmm. And Guinness, it, as an organization, is based in the UK. Yeah. And sent all that in, and they're like, hey, you could pay, I think it was three figures. Oh, God. To expedite your application to uh -huh. five days, or you have to wait three months. Okay. Yeah, so, I wait three months. Yeah, yeah. I waited three months. Because um, all my money went to my tattoos. Yeah. So, but... um. <laughs> I waited and I got an email and it said, congratulations, you're the world record holder. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. And I ordered my certificate mm -hmm. in the mail. And about two or three days later, 
uh, a coworker that I mentioned that I broke the record to. Uh-huh. There, I was like, hey, you know, you might, you know, that might be a little cool thing. I broke the record, and they're yeah. like, oh, it's cool. I can't find you on the website, and so I'm confused. Yeah. So I log into the site, and uh-huh. it says my record's been broken. Oh. So I'm kind of. It was really. It hasn't. It hasn't been. It has not been broken. It has technically. It has not. Okay. Um. But. It, it, and it's not one of those things. I mean, my tattoos are for the passion that I have for yeah, the comics. Yeah. I mean, we're literally like five feet away from my comic collection. Right. There's a good like 30 boxes. If this was were to fall over, we'd be dead. Oh, we'd totally yeah. be dead. So I sent, I'm super confused and I send a message. And, and honestly, and I, I don't care if someone breaks the record. This, right. is, this was a passion thing for me. Right. This is just like a cool little like, hey, I got these tattoos that I always wanted. But at one time, I have this little certificate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool little notch on my belt. Yeah. So it wasn't that it was broken. It was just the fact that it was broken. I think the record was like for like four or five years. It held. Yeah. And I, I thought, based on the information that was given to me, mm-hmm. that I held the record for three days. Yeah. And I couldn't even get the certificate mailed to me. <laughs> right. In enough time. Because I was like, oh, wow, look, the certificate's here. It's already invalid. Right. You know? So I was a little bummed. But, hey, I still broke the record. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fast forward a couple weeks, I get an email from the social media team at Guinness, and they're congratulating me, but they also gave me this inside scoop that um, a gentleman named Rick in uh-huh. Canada, mm-hmm. the previous record holder, a couple of days after they uh, they approved my application, yeah. they approved his application to update the number of tattoos he has. Oh, which is also 34. Oh, uh, yeah. So we both are they're, they're co-world record. World record holders. That's awesome. And you've you've struck up a friendship with him. I, I did, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, there was some lingo that was being said kind of as far as the process of what they want to do because there, there is going to be some stuff that comes out mm-hmm. in the future, in the next weeks yeah. or months, like video and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And... I wanted it to be very clear that the, this is not like a battle. Yeah. You know, it's two dudes who have Marvel tattoos. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, there's no animosity. There. Right. Yeah. This isn't the Olympics. Right. Right. So I was like, it sounds like we'd have a bunch of talk about it. I mentioned it. I had to have an interview that I already did mm-hmm. um, where I mentioned like, it would be great to meet him. Yeah. Cause clearly we have something to talk about <laughs> and I'm sure we're both really tired of hearing, wow, you must really like Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I get all the time. <laughs> And so I messaged him on Facebook. I found him and I'm like, dude, I think it's awesome Mm -hmm. that we both share this record. I love your work, you know, and I just kind of make this throwaway little sentence where I was Mm -hmm. like, it's really cool that you live in Canada. I wish I lived somewhere where hockey was uh, beloved more Mm -hmm. because, you know, me and Natalie, we love uh, hockey. And you live in Kentucky. And we live in Kentucky. Yeah. So we watch every single Washington Capitals games and no one else watches hockey in this area. So... (laughs) Uh, he actually, uh, ever since then, through a chat with him, mm-hmm. we've talked nothing but hockey. That's awesome. We've hardly talked about the tattoos. That's awesome. So big shout out to Rick. Um, su- seems like a really great guy, and I'm just really stoked um, to be a world record holder. Yeah, you got the cer- cer- the you got the certificate. Yes, yes, yeah. I, do have I held it in my hands a moment ago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I looked at it and said, "Now I have the certificate. You do. Now I'm the record holder. Oh God." <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do plan on getting more for sure because I mean my back piece isn't finished. Mm-hmm. So regardless, yeah. I do need to add more to it. But I do plan on getting a few more characters. I don't know what to do really after that. I don't know if I want to continue the Marvel or go to horror. Mm-hmm. I definitely want some more horror tattoos. But yeah, I guess it's just a cool little notch on my belt. Yeah, I guess. that's I awesome. I don't know. Like everyone, 
It's You're, weird because I've been getting Marvel tattoos for over a decade. Right. So now there's all this, like, I'm getting emails, I'm getting, like, asked for interviews and stuff, and it's kind of weird to me because I'm like, they've always been there. Yeah. You know? So, <laughs> but I think it's a really, it's a cool accomplishment. It's um, nice to be seen. Yeah. yeah. And, like, in the interview, they were like, what do you think if someone else gets the tattoos? I'm like, get them. Yeah. I mean, if you love comic books. Right. Why not? You know? So, I got a certificate that's really cool. I did a really long video shoot that they asked me to do. It mm-hmm. turned out to be like nine hours or so. God. Uh, like a couple days ago. Uh-huh. That was really cool. But that's all going to be released um, as it comes out. Because yeah. once I give all this stuff to Guinness, it's up to them. Yeah. So, but thank you for congratulations oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's just really cool. Yeah. It's really neat. It's pretty awesome. I've been telling everyone I know. <laughs> yeah grace uh I, I posted something on facebook and she was like you're famous yeah and i'm like i'm not famous but <laughs> but i appreciate the sentiment hey um, you're right there beside those two giant dudes who ride the tiny motorcycles <laughs> yeah, i mean f- hell yeah that's awesome <laughs> um but more importantly yes i have discovered uh-huh. a genre okay of film okay that i didn't know i would like as much okay they're called Japanese splatter films. Oh, yes. Okay, so you've been watching, like, uh, let me think of something off the top of my head here. Tokyo Gore Police. Yes. Something like that, yeah. I just watched it, like, a week and a half ago. Okay. Dude. Yeah? I like loving them? It's so bonkers. Yeah. It's just so over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that a movie I liked a little bit more, because you know me, I get obsessive. I mean, comic tattoos. Right. But, <laughs> you know, like... What? One, right. Uh, but my... Like ADD brain is like, oh, there's this Tokyo Gore place. What else have they made? Yes. And there's a list. And so uh, a couple days ago, me and Nat watched Robo Geisha. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's just as bonkers. (laughs) I'm thinking of one. Um, What is it? Uh, uh, Have you seen Wild Zero? No. You might like that. It's, um, if I remember correctly, it's uh, it's this this, uh, Japanese rock band fighting zombies. Ooh, it's sick. a real it's a real rock band called Guitar Wolf. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then there's like down. one like um oh yeah, yeah. So this is the one I that sticks out in my head. I, I love just the posters for it. Um uh Bloody Chainsaw Girl. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the next one that we plan on watching is Machine Girl. Okay. Which yeah. is from the same creator as yeah. Tokyo Gore uh-huh. Police. They definitely have their own lane. Yes, yeah. Um, I watched a Japanese movie the other day too. What was it? Um, it was called Crazy Samurai. Crazy Samurai. Yes, the movie is ninety-one minutes long. Is that bad? Seventy-seven minutes of that are a fight sequence. What? A one-shot fight sequence. What's? Hold on, let me get my pen. What's it called? It's called Crazy Samurai. Okay. Now, okay. So most don't expect it to be John Wick kind of action. Right, because of what they what they have to accomplish in this film. Yeah, um, there are some really cool fight scenes, but most of the time it's like a video game where you have figured out how to fight the enemies. Yeah, you know they run it, they run at him with their sword up, and he hits, hits him in the belly. Most of them. Oh yeah. But it's him versus four hundred people. That's awesome. Yes, it was Hell very entertaining. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's gonna be on the list for sure. But I will say, I think that this episode. I guess yeah we're 15 minutes into this we might as well start talking about the actual thing we came to talk about we're starting season four we are starting season four yeah we're doing it um I was about to say that this is an all-star cast but then the last episode was an all-star cast yeah but this one has some dingers it does it absolutely does yeah I mean they can both have all-star casts oh yeah yeah 
So you want to get into it? Let's do it. All right. So this is None But the Lonely Heart from episode or episode one of season four. Directed by Tom Hanks. Written by Terry Black. Starring Treat Williams, Francis Sternhagen, Henry Gibson, and Tom Hanks. Oh, Tom Hanks mm-hmm. and Sugar Ray Leonard. Howard Prince is a con artist who marries lonely old women for their money, then kills them to take their inheritance. When he sets eyes on a new victim, Effie, Howard begins receiving vaguely threatening letters from someone that knows his secret. Howard then murders everyone he suspects may be the culprit, including his business partner, the owner of a dating service, and Effie's butler. After he murders Effie, he receives one last letter demanding Howard meet the letter writer at Effie's crypt. There... Howard discovers that love may be eternal after all. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's the best so, part of the show. You're you're it's definitely the best part of the show. Oh, I, I, no. I look forward to the no, most. No, 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 no. I I am I I am the straight man. You are here for if you're you're here for the emotion and the color. I think I think you do the work. Oh no, no. I mean, you do all the post editing shit. <laughs> well, you do all like the writing down the notes, then describe the episode, and we're in way see, more depth than I do. We're gonna see if Ryan can read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a few days it's since been I wrote the notes. A few weeks. Yeah, it's been a week. <laughs> so first off, we have Terry Black as the writer. This is his fourth of five episodes of Tales in the Crypt. He did Dig That Cat. Yeah, he's real gone. Corbin's Calamity. These are all ones we love. Yeah, Corbin's Calamity. The reluctant, the reluctant vampire. That's a good one too. Uh, this one, and then he does one later in the season, Beauty Rest. Beauty Rest. I don't remember that one. Uh, he also did. I hate this movie, Dead Heat. He was the writer on that. I've never seen. Which it. also has Treat Williams. What a name! Yeah, I think you did. It was on Joe Bob. Oh, okay. It's a zombie movie where a guy like is becoming a zombie. He's a cop trying to solve like his murder before he like dies rots away oh and it's got two cops yes that are buddies yeah like joe piscopo i mean oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's dumb i hate it um <laughs> but he also wrote some awesome stuff uh episodes of dark justice dark 18 justice. wheels of justice and silk stalkings the shows i've talked about like <laughs> what ad nauseum in the past yeah silk stalking yeah that's the one it's um it's um the cops in florida investigating sexy crimes yeah yeah not to be confused I, well, with I Red Shoe Diaries. I really should not call it sexy crimes because some of those are rapes, but you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like just one of those shows that, I mean. It, 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 was very, it was a very, like, lurid show. Yeah. Right. Like, there was this big wave of, like, eroticism. Right. In, like, the mid to late 90s. Yes, yes. While we were teenagers. Yeah, oh, God. Like, that. <laughs> and shaped us. Yeah, absolutely. 100% Can I tell you a story? Yes, go Super ahead. Super quick. So uh, this is no one's ever going to understand this unless you're like 35 or older. Mm -hmm. So sorry to some of our audience. But back in our day, they used to have sex lines. Yes. And they would have commercials for them. Yes. I've never I never did it. But essentially you call and they try to sex you up again. It was before the Internet. People didn't have imaginations. Right. And so the one thing I, I would never forget is I saw one, but it had a jingle. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about because Chris Cochran and I have been talking about this for 20 years now. And if we have to leave a voice message on each other's phones, we sing the jingle. Okay. Maybe this is the same okay, one. Yeah. But the jingle is, don't be a no. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> don't be alone tonight. Just pick, pick up, up the, the phone. phone. And the girls were all off key. Yeah. And just horrible oh, singers. Oh, it's so yes. bad. They're wearing like leopard print pants and they're, it's just <laughs> yes. not appealing at all. <laughs> yes. But for some reason, I just remembered that line. Well, fast forward 20-something years, uh-huh. and I'm working an office job, 
and you know, uh, we, there's a little break in the action, and, and coworkers, you know how you joke with your coworkers and stuff. Yeah. And we were talking about things we remember from the '90s, mm-hmm. like pagers and right. the fact that you would tell your friends not to call unless it was after nine because you got free nights and weekends. Right. Uh huh. And so I brought up the jingle. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, I did the jingle. I didn't finish it. But someone 30 feet away from me who I have not met, literally, it's like, don't be alone tonight. And then I hear, just pick up the phone. And I'm like, what the fuck? And he looks over at me. His name's Dave. He's a great guy. That's awesome. That's how we got to know each other. I haven't seen him in a long time, but shout out to Dave. Yeah. But um, I just thought it's so fucking funny that there's stuff that we're old enough now. Right. That there is generations after us that have no, no fucking idea. idea. Yeah, like me and Natalie still call googling an address yeah. map questing. Yes, Grace does too. It's never gonna yeah, stop. It's never gonna stop. But and I was, I was like, map quest. Is it nineteen ninety nine? Oh yeah, I, I still do it. But but don't be alone tonight. Just pick up the phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, my uh, a couple of friends and I back in the day, we would try to come up with like what is the most absurd one eight hundred number that we can think of. Yeah, and then we'd call it to see if we got if it you know picked up something like right. you know one eight hundred hot boys, <laughs> <laughs> and we we always record them and right. then play them back. So we thought they were hilarious. Oh, that's yeah. funny. I remember calling one eight hundred Master P. Yeah, because it was a tool company. Oh, okay. <laughs> So basically, you would just like have a CD player. You'd call, yeah. And they'd be like, "Hello, Master P Tools and Accessories," and then you would play Master, Master P. P. Oh, okay, over yeah. It. So yeah, we were not smart. <laughs> we were starved for entertainment in the 1990s. I think <sighs> they have it so easy now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember uh, like renting a video but watching it two or three times so you had to return it. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, then we have Treat Williams as Howard the Con Artist. So he started in theater, as a theater actor, and he spent much of the '70s playing Danny Zuko on Broadway. Like before the Grease movie came out, he was in the Grease oh wow musical play. Yeah, then he moved on to movies with minor uncredited roles, such as like The Marathon Man, and he was a Rebel soldier in Empire Strikes Back. Oh, that's cool like in the background. Yeah, that's sick. Um, once you know that Treat Williams is in it, and you're looking in the beginning, you'll see him. He's like a. Uh, he's got a jaw on he's him. got a jaw yeah uh then he moved on to tv movies like the the biography of jack dempsey and the the ad, an adaptation of streetcar named desire then he was in dead heat which i've just talked about i hate it um one of the few movies i actually rewatch that yeah just to see how much you hate then it. he was in the italian action film la notte de gale squale i don't even know what means that means night of the sharks Ooh, yeah <laughs> Uh, then he took over for Tom Berenger in the Substitute series, so he substituted for someone else in the Substitute series, <laughs> which are these um, very late entry into those American Carnage movies and TV shows I talk about, where it's like this ex-soldier has to has to go into an inner city school and set it straight, yeah, know, have, fight gangs and stuff, right, right. And he was that he was in the he was in two, so no, no, he was in the second one, Schools Out. Ooh. Then he was in Substitute Three, Winner Take All, Ooh. and then he was in. Substitute failure is not an option. <laughs> that's the title. Yeah, it's a, that's a title. And there were like, I think the first one with Tom Berenger came out in 96. Yeah. And they put out like three more movies in four years. Damn. But they were direct to video. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember one of them. I don't remember if it was the first one or the second one, but it had gang members using potatoes as silencers. <laughs> like they would stick a potato in another gun. That's not how that works. Yeah. I don't think that. I think it, I'm not a gun nerd. 
I think not, that, not I think that I would just blow assume. up in your face, right? I would or, assume that the potato would just explode. Yeah, something would happen. Something bad would happen. Not it's, it's a silencer, not right? Thing. You're right, right. Um, then he was uh, he was Doctor Milo in the Batman the animated series. Um, wow, cool. He was the a mad doctor or a mad scientist chemist that worked for Carmine Falcone, I think maybe. I think that's who he worked for. Anyway. Oh, cool. Uh, and Falls, the Phantom. Uh, he was one of the leads in the TV series Everwood. Um, he was the dude who chops his own arm. He was the father of the dude who chops his own arm, arm off in 127 hours. Remember that story about the guy who the rock fell on him while he was rock climbing? Oh, yeah. And he had cut off his own arm with a pocket knife. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Chicago Fire, Blue Bloods. Uh, we own this city. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention another uh, movie here in a second. In The Substitute, his name was Carl. Okay. All right. So one of his most recent movies was Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Where his name is Carl, so this is an un- unacknowledged sequel to the Substitute series. <gasps> yeah. Oh no. With much less murder. Wow. Or maybe more. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Dolly is <laughs> Dolly. not an option. <laughs> then we have Frances Sternhagen. 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 Yeah. yeah. As Effie, she is ninety-three years old. She's still going. Really? I don't think she's done anything uh, almost ten years, but she's still around. Good for her. Yeah. Um. She started on Broadway too. Uh, she was nominated for five Tony Awards and winning once for The Good Doctor. And she was appeared in th- plays like On Golden Pond and Equus. Look up Equus sometime. Okay. Uh, yeah, just to read the synopsis of that, you'll be you'll, you'll have a good time. Cool. Uh, and uh, she played the title character in Driving Miss Daisy for years off Broadway. And uh, yeah, and then she moved on uh, to TV series like The Love of Life, The Secret Storm, The Doctors. These are all like. Um, early not early but like 50s 60s soap operas right oh, cool. she had big, big roles on there or reoccurring roles i think her breakout role was a movie called up the down staircase which i've never seen me neither uh then she was in the thriller slash kind of horror movie fedora uh prototype outlander bright lights big city communion have you ever seen communion no based on the whitley streber autobiography no um it is um I don't know. You may have been too young to remember this, but um, when the book came out, it was being, it was, it had this huge publicity campaign, right? Yeah. And it was being sold like at supermarket checkout counters. Basically it was all over the place. Like there'd be posters of it and the cover is fucking terrifying. Uh, yeah, it's no, a true story. It, he says it's a true story. He's a horror writer. He's a uh, horror and sci-fi writer. Um, kind of came up around the same time as Stephen King. Right. And they kind of have similar material. I don't think he's as good though. Right. But he's had some decent stuff. Um, but the cover of communion, I'm going to show it to you real quick. So this was the cover that was in everywhere. You could not go anywhere without seeing this. Oh Lord. Yeah. So they made a movie based on his book. He, he claims to be an alien abductee. Right. Uh, okay. Um, uh, they made a movie based on the book with, um, Oh God, what's his name? Um, Christopher Walken. Oh, okay. He, he, his character, the real life Whitley Strieber was played by Christopher Walken in the movie. Right. Okay. It's not great, but there is this one scene that is one of the creepiest scenes ever in a movie where like he wakes up at night and he thinks there's something like at his bedroom door uh-huh. and you just see like the face of the alien, like halfway peek around. Ooh. Yeah. It is. It's terrifying. Yikes. One of the most terrible, like it gave me nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was just scared of doorways to this day because of that, <laughs> because of that one scene. Anyway, anyway, so she was uh, Cliff's mom on Cheers. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh, she was in Misery. She was in Raising Cain, uh, the Brian De Palma uh, movie uh, about a guy with split personalities. 
uh, with John Lithgow as the the, the guy with the split personality. Sex in the City, ER, The Mist. Oh, The Mist. She's yeah. she's one of the people in the car at the end. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the most recently, she was on the closer for a, a lot of episodes. So then we have Henry Gibson as Stanhope the Butler. Uh, Effie's Butler. So he's originally from Germantown, Pennsylvania. I know you haven't heard of that, but I just mentioned it because that's the area my in-laws are from. Like oh, they live cool. like the right next the town over. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I've definitely seen him in multiple. Oh, things. yes, you have, and he played a big part of your childhood, and you don't know it yet. Ooh. But I want to say that to the end. Um, he got a start in the Nutty Professor, then he went on like for small roles in Beverly Hillbillies, My Favorite Martian, and Dick Van Dyke. But his big breakout. Uh, one of his, one of his big breakouts was he played the role, and I apologize for this, uh, as the Indian Charlie Horse in the Three Stooges movie, The Outlaws Is Coming. Never seen it. Never seen it either. I didn't know they were making Three Stooges movies that late because this was in the '60s. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. No, I thought yeah. I thought they uh, were... Then he became a regular on Rowan and Martin's Laugh In with people like Goldie Hawn. Oh, right. Cool. And he's moving Nashville. He did episodes of Dukes of Hazard, Fantasy Island, Wonder Woman, Love Boat, Simon and Simon, Magnum P.I., Knight Rider, MacGyver, Murder She Wrote. He was the head Nazi in the Blues Brothers. Oh, damn. Yeah. He he was in The Incredible Shrinking Woman, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, an episode of the Twilight Zone Revival in the 80s, Inner Space, Switching Channels, The Burbs. Have you ever seen The Burbs? Yes. yes. He was Clopac. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, 24 episodes of Boston Legal as a judge. But. The one where you recognize his face, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. But there is one role, his most famous role, no one knows it was him. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Like I said, this dude, like, played a part in your childhood. This dude taught you lessons. What? He was the motherfucking voice of Wilbur in Charlotte's Web. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even know Stan Hope was a name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Doug Stan Hope, the comedian. Uh, no idea. Yeah, no, he's no, pretty nothing. funny. I mean, yeah. This is the first time I've ever heard that name before. Yeah. Uh, then we have Sugar Ray Leonard as the Grave Digger. Who's that? Oh, man. He is one of the greatest boxers of all time. Yeah. Let me tell you real quick. Light. Uh, he was a light welterweight gold medalist in the 1976 Olympics. I knew you were going to love this. Oh, yeah. 40 fights, 36 wins, 25 by knockout, three losses, one draw. Uh, he was one of the people who kept boxing alive in the public eye in the uh, post-Ali era. Yeah. With Marvin Hagler, uh, Thomas Hearns, Robert, uh, Roberto Duran. And he is the second ever quintuple champion in boxing. Second only to Thomas Hearns. He won five championships. Like five separate titles? Five, five separate titles. Um, the, the WBC and WBA light, uh, welterweight champion uh, championship, the WBA light middleweight championship, the WBC middleweight championship, the WBC super middleweight championship, and the WBC light heavyweight championship. God damn. Yes. He's yeah. one of the goats? He's one of the goats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's one of the goats. Oh, nice. One of the greatest of all time. I don't think... People might rank him different places, but everyone agrees that he is somewhere... In like when you build when you build a list of the greatest boxers of all time, is 10, he 20, it doesn't matter. in the Mount Rushmore? Uh, I don't think he's in the Mount Rushmore, but he is definitely top like, ten. Yeah, uh, I think the the people will make arguments he's in the top ten. Like oh, I've cool. seen lists that put him in the top ten. Always heard uh, good stories about him. Yeah, about being a nice guy. Well, he got in some trouble around this time for because he was abusing drugs. Well, right who, around the time this came out, and so he he got uh, mean and abusive on drugs. No, oh. so but. I think he's cleaned up his act and he kind of goes around speaking about like, don't do that shit. Right. <laughs> right. Um, then we have the director and one of the actors in the episode, the uh, aforementioned um, dating service manager. Yes. Tom Hanks. Now he did Bosom Buddies and a little known horror movie called, you know, he knows you're alone. 
uh, this satanic panic movie called Mazes and Monsters and another satanic panic movie called The Burbs, which had Henry Gibson in it, who yep. we just mentioned. Uh, but he really hasn't done anything since. He just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Who? Thomas? Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Buddy, Tom Hanks, if you're out there, come home, man. Your, Tom your family misses you. Tom Honks? Tom Honks. Yeah, something like that. Tony yeah. Stank. Tony Stank. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you don't know who Tom Hanks is, I, I can't help you. <laughs> it's a wrap. It's a, yeah. <laughs> but also, I don't remember a celebrity, quote unquote, celebrity mm -hmm. director in season three. But in season two, two we had Arnold. Arnold, yeah. I don't remember. A, I, yeah, I, I won't go look it up right now. But yeah, I don't remember any either. That, I mean, you would assume that season four is probably peak tales from the crypts. Yeah. And it's funny because this episode, okay. I don't think it's the strongest one they could have opened up with. Right. But it is very classic, stereotypical tales from the crypt. I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, as far as season three, the last two episodes that we covered, the one about the cable guy in the uh -huh. yellow. Yeah. I would have swapped them. Yes. In the order, because even the season three ended on a very serious note. Yeah. Um, I just, it's still, I mean, we both love the episode. Right, right. But still, as a season finale, oof. Yeah. Leaving them, leaving people with their heads down. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, that's that's who's in this episode. There's one other guy, but he didn't ha really have a big role. Any, basically, if anyone's credited after John Cassier, I don't include Yeah, yeah, them. same yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you want to get into the breakdown? <laughs> Once again, this is season four, episode one, None But the Lonely Heart. The opening is the Crypt Keeper dressed as a waiter at a fancy restaurant, and he's serving a skeleton couple that are on a date. So, once again, we have interrupted the Crypt Keeper at work. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not called, it, he has a menu in his hand. He's, the, he's like the maitre d'. Yes. All right. And... The menu on his hand does not say Crypt Keeper's Restaurant or Tells in the Crypt Restaurant. It's some other name. I can't. I don't yeah, remember off the top of my head. Generic, it's, it's, not, it's not even his restaurant. Well, I mean, He's just working there. How, who do you think pays for the Crypt's lighting? <laughs> the restaurant? He's got bills. He's got bills, yes. Well, no, he rents that space. Oh, he, oh okay. I see. For restaurants and bars. Oh, but yeah, then he works there, too? Unless the Crypt's or every room of the Crypt is a different that might be. scene. Yeah. Or, you know, different. That could be. But I mean, if you have a, I mean, let's see, we've already done golf courses. Mm -hmm. There's a, uh, a woodsman yeah. area of the yeah. crypt. There's a bar. There's a bar. Yeah. Now there's a, a, a fancy restaurant. Yeah. Not a bad place to be. No, it's not. Especially if you're going to send eternity there. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. Not that bad. So anyway, but once again, we have interrupted him at work. We have. And he is just, he's like, oh, hey, I'm yeah. working, but here's a story. Right. He's so nice. A skeleton violinist is knocked over as the crypt keeper says, they wanted violence, not violins. <laughs> okay, Bush, circa 1995. <laughs> and then he says, uh, good help is so hard to fiend, isn't it, kitties? <laughs> you laughed. <laughs> he hands out the menu, and he says, want more champagne? <laughs> this story is about the quickest way to get a woman's heart. Uh, and that is with a pickaxe. Oh, but there's no pickaxes there's no pick in the story. Yeah, don't really worry about it. <laughs> it's You're just, overselling it. Yeah. Yo, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The story... Oh, that was bad. <laughs> the story, <laughs> Ryan forgot to talk. <laughs> the story opens to a camera painting over a fine china and silverware to an elderly woman putting... And I want to say, 
you talked about throwing up. Mm-hmm. I almost gagged. Why? Because when the camera panned over, it shows the elderly woman putting on lipstick so much that I gagged. <laughs> like, is that thing where, like, she does... Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, she'll do a couple, like, a layer. Yeah. And then she'll lick her lips. And yeah. Then do that. Uh-huh. And then she did it, like, two more times. Yeah, it was weird. And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> a much younger Howard walks in with dinner. And it's all paste and mashed foods. <laughs> yeah. And this show, this episode is, has not aged, I mean, no pun intended, has not aged well when it comes to uh, ageism. No, it has not. It, there's a lot of little nuggets yeah. in there. Well, like, you know, uh, Frances uh, Sternhagen's character, Effie, they make her look really elderly. She's only 60 in this episode. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, she's, you said she's alive now. She's 93. I mean, yeah. it was 90. Uh, this episode premiered June 27th, 1992. Yeah. So she was 62 years old. Yeah. Wow. She was born in 1930. So, yeah. But they make her look like, at least like, 80. Decrepit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He pours some wine for a nice dinner for two, in which he says it's a special occasion. They toast, and then he says a cheesy line about aged wine and says, it tastes like everything it's touched. The grapes, the soil, the oak in the barrels, and now your lips. <laughs> the lips we just saw her painting yeah, yeah. for four minutes. After she swoons, Howard begins brings up an investment opportunity, and she says that it's completely up to him what he does with her money. Howard says, no, it's your money. I'm just managing for you. She signs the document without even reading it and then says, now you do something for me. Howard goes on to recite poetry as she takes another drink of wine, but suddenly starts to choke. Howard continues his line as she slumps back in her wheelchair, dead. Howard, she convulses a lot. Too. Oh yeah, she's freaking out. But he's still like, I, 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 that line was way too long to write down. Right. But he was just like the flowers and the mountains. Right. And, the, and she's like, poppers. <laughs> That's for someone special. <laughs> that sounded bad. That sounded worse. <laughs> Keep that in. Uh, Howard, uh, to himself, as he picks up the phone, says. Such a shame to waste such a good wine. Then, when someone picks up the phone, he sounds distressed. He goes, oh, please, we need an ambulance. It's my wife. I think she's had a heart attack. The next scene is at the funeral. Howard is, quote, crying. And there are only two other people at the funeral. (laughs) They pay their respects to him and says, she really loved you. And the other person says, you made her last few months very happy. Once everyone leaves, a large man appears behind Howard. He says, good job. You had them all fooled. Howard says, what the fuck are you doing here, Morty? (laughs) As a matter of fact, I was very fond of Matilda. She was a wonderful woman. But also, so was Elizabeth. And so was Claire. Mort says, shame. They all had to be killed. Howard responds, That was business. I could have taken the money and ran, but I did these ladies a big favor. I made them feel loved. Mort says, well, as your business partner, it's my responsibility to give you bad news. The IRS has frozen $1 million and has moved up our date with the grand jury. 
and Howard says, God damn it. <laughs> it's not clear like exactly what their scheme is. I mean, their scheme is to get the money from the old lady. Right. But like why they need to get the money, why the grand jury is looking at them. Well, why the IRS is frozen their money. Well, I mean, I'm assuming just like they they're they're con artists and they're getting right. But the I, I thought I, it felt like there was like a bigger scheme involved. Oh. Like they needed the money for another business that was. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we have no idea. I just considered him like a male black widow. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of a name for that. And there really isn't. Yeah. 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 Every time I hear black widow, I, I don't think about the comics. I think about uh, the Adams family sequel. Oh, yeah. Because there's the Black Widow who tries yeah. to marry Fester. Uh-huh. So, so funny. Moritz says, well, we have five million, more or less. I say we get out of the country that has warm weather and no extradition treaty. Howard says, no, we had a mission to set ourselves up for life, and two million apiece won't do that. Let me go ahead and cut that off. I could live off of two million dollars. Right, yeah. I could live yeah. the rest of my life off two million dollars. Yeah, I think I could, too. Yeah. But also, what is that in 1992 money? I have no idea. Let's see here. $2 million in 1991. Uh, what is it? Two or five? Well, it's $5 million, but he said $2 million, So oh. I guess just do $2.5 million. $2.5. A person. That's got to be at least $4 million. Let's see here. That would be $5.3 million. Oh, they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Mort says, but we're 11 days to face a grand jury. Howard says, give me 10 days and I'll bag one more old lady. Mort replies, 10 days? They're going to nail your ass and I'd like to be as far away as possible when that happens. Howard says, just trust me. Howard removes his black mourning armband and throws it on the ground as they both leave. The wind blows the armband to the feet of the gravedigger who puts it in his pocket and starts shoveling dirt on Matilda's grave. The next scene, Howard is reviewing tapes from the Forever Yours video dating service to find his final victim. He stops at Effie, who is looking for a friend, in which she says, How many times do you want to see Paris alone? She mentions that she isn't looking for a replacement for her deceased husband, Theodore. Howard looks up Theodore's name in a book titled The Who's Who of American Business. Howard is surprised and says, whoa, two pages. Teddy has been busy. And Howard is all in. He pauses the video and grabs a magnifying glass to inspect her jewelry. (laughs) Which, by the way, this is a 1992 standard definition TV. Yeah. He ain't magnifying nothing. He's not magnifying anything. And if he does magnify anything, he's not seeing any detail. He is not. Yeah, But he's convinced they are real jewels. Oh, and oh, they are, baby. Yeah, they are. Howard gives the tape to Baxter, the guy running the dating service, and says he wants to meet Effie. Baxter, Tom Hanks, says, Ah, another mature woman. Best of luck to the both of you. And gives Howard Effie's address. At Effie's house, Effie is initially turning down Howard because he's, quote, too young. Howard says he is not here for money, and women his age have needs that he, nope, cannot fulfill. <laughs> What she proceeds to see, say some things that are kind of gross. Oh yes, about this. Yeah, Effie tells her butler Stanhope to leave so they can talk. Effie, once alone, says, "So you're saying you're?" Howard interrupts her and says, "All I want is a companion. 
I don't want to see Paris alone. This slick son of a bitch. Later, they discuss that her late husband was also impotent. Effie says, you remind me of him, but you have, you're way more passionate, more alive, which you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite part of the episode because she says, you're more passionate and more alive, which you are. And Howard, got, like, he just does a nod. He's like, yep, I'm alive. Yeah. He's dead. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, the way that Howard describes it, of course, he's lying. Yes. Yeah, of course, he's lying. But the way he describes it, he, he doesn't have an impotence problem. No. He's just, like, he, he's describing himself being asexual. Well, he knows that she doesn't, well, well. No. Th- because, this is where it gets muddy. Yeah. But. <laughs> it, it, I don't for, know if we should just describe the scene as muddy. Uh, uh, well okay so to howard the character's perspective he thinks to Mm -hmm. this point that she is not she doesn't want sex she just wants a companion right so he clearly is fashioning his backstory Mm -hmm. to fit her narrative so he can get them dollars and and by pretending to be asexual he does not have to pretend attraction i didn't take asexual i took uh, impotent because he because he says um let's see you uh because he he says she says, "Your my husband had the same thing," and he says, "She he was impotent too." Uh, okay, so he's coming off as impotent. well. I thought she said he was impotent, and he didn't he didn't correct her about what it meant. Well, anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. Re- anyway, yeah, so we can continue on. She insists that he stay for dinner, and she yells for Stanhope to set up two plates for dinner. Stanhope is in shock. As Stanhook goes up to set up dinner, Effie explains the unfinished puzzle in front of them was Theodore's, and he died on that table. <laughs> Howard says, I find puzzles to be a waste of time. Effie, as she's grabbing Howard, says, So do I. I've known men twice your age and not half your worldliness. I can help you with your condition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Howard says, We shouldn't. We have time. And Effie says, not in my age, you don't. Just relax, darling. <laughs> you know I'll what? be gentle. She, and then throws him onto the puzzle. For a woman that just wants a companion, she got that D real fast. Yeah, she did. She went after it. She did. Yes. She tosses, uh, she tosses Howard on her dead husband's table, and they start smooching. Stanhope looks on from a slightly open door in shock. I wish that were me. <laughs> like you or Stanhope? No, Stanhope. Oh, okay. <laughs> I wish I was Stanhope watching this. The next day, I'm sorry, the next morning, Effie makes breakfast in bed. As Effie says, uh, as Effie is setting up breakfast, she says that a letter has arrived for Howard. He opens it and it has a note that says, another one, stop before it's too late. <gasps> How? Who? Like, I'm assuming this is the next morning after they met. Yes. Who would have this address? Um, I but, well, there's something supernatural involved. Yes, yes, yes. Effie inquires about the letter, and Howard says that it's just business, but he has to skip breakfast, but promises to return. He immediately goes to Mort's office, and Mort is in the process of shredding evidence as Howard walks in, and he's asking what he's doing. Mort says. What's it look like getting ready to blow this place? We shouldn't be seen together. Howard says, you're going to take the money and run? Mort replies, these ladies have gotten to you. Howard explains that Mort lies like he dresses very badly. (laughs) Like his tie. 
and he immediately pulls Mort's tie into the shredder, and after a struggle, he is dead. Strangled. As Howard leaves. This is why you wear a clip-on, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fashionable and practical. Yes. Sometime later, Howard and Effie arrive as husband and wife at Effie's home. It was really difficult to tell whether or not this was the same day or not. Yeah, it, it seems like if it's not the same day, it's very soon after. Very soon after. Because I mean, he only has 10 days. He only has 10 days, and she says, it, the dialogue, not necessarily what she says, but the dialogue implies that it was a spur-of-the-moment thing. Yes. Yes. Effie says, all I wanted when I woke up was to go to the city hall and get married. Stanhope says, will the happy couple be having lunch in the dining room for a change? Effie says, no, it'll be food in bed as usual. So the way that this is being structured is that, because he says, for a change. Yeah. So he's annoyed that they just keep fucking and eating in bed. Right, yeah. So this has been some time. At least a couple days. It has been some time, yeah. Right. And, you know, she caught those feelings. She did uh, real fast. Real, real fast. She yeah, a little too fast for feelings. how uh, she got a lot more in feelings. Yeah. Oof. Effie explains as a wedding gift, she had uh, Howard's name put on all of her bank accounts in which he was reluctant, quote unquote. Effie says, I'll go upstairs and start to jacuzzi. As she leaves, Stanhope presents Howard with another mysterious letter. So he he kills his business partner more thinking that it's him. Yes, yes. And now he has a second note. Yes. The note says, another one? What you're doing to these women is criminal. Is criminal. He crumbles the note. Later, at Forever Yours dating service, Baxter is cleaning the VHS player. Howard walks in behind him, and when Baxter notices him, Howard accuses him of blackmail. Baxter doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, and Howard grabs him and shoves his face into the TV, killing him. Yes, and he's, like, being shocked. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wonder if that would that really happen. I doubt it. Hmm, yeah, probably. As we should Bax- find someone to, test, someone to test this on. Not it. <laughs> As Baxter is frying, Howard calls Effie and says, Darling, sorry, business came up again, but give Stanhope the night off. I want to make us dinner. Just you, me, and a nice bottle of wine. Ooh. Uh, no, ew. I mean, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. I thought you. I thought you meant. I was saying ew. Oh no. Uh, no. I, ooh. Well, he killed a woman with a bottle of wine. So. Oh, that that's that's true. Yeah. He's yeah. Not, he and he wants Stanhope to leave. So yes. It's going down. Yes, it's going down. Later, as Effie is in the shower, Howard is preparing the wine, and Stanhope enters the room. He says. Does the name Matilda Mason mean anything to you? Howard says, I thought I gave you the night off. He says, or what about Elizabeth Swath or Claire McCarthy? It seems, sir, that there is a pattern to your past. Howard says, what's your point? Stanhope says, my point is I'm going to call the police, but that would distress the lady, and I don't want to do that. As long as you leave, annul the marriage and never come back. (sighs) And he pulls out yeah. the tiniest, cutest gun it's ever. So, mm, so tiny. <laughs> I just want to cuddle and take care so of it. Little. Yeah, <laughs> that gun had a child. <laughs> Howard says, "That's an interesting proposition, but why would I do that? Effie loves me." 
Stanhope produces, like Bruce said, the cutest one ever made, <laughs> and his hands are shaking, and says, that's the deal, and that's all I'm going to say. Howard sighs and says, okay, you win, shoot me. Stanhope hesitates, and Howard grabs the gun and chokes him. They fall onto the chair together, and as Effie is in the background brushing her hair, unknowing of the struggle, Howard covers Stan Hope's mouth and snaps his little neck. Howard and Effie toast, and she explains that she doesn't like red wine, but Howard insists on drinking. And a really creepy line, Effie says, You're trying to get me drunk, aren't you? Well, in that case, she guzzles the whole glass of wine that she already said she doesn't like. <laughs> she uh, immediately drops the glass, which, by the way, makes a noise. <laughs> it does. Don't know why it does that. And starts uh, slowly falling to the floor. Effie, reaching, says, Howard. Howard looks on. She dies, and Howard grabs the phone. Howard says, my wife went into convulsions. Just then, Effie, who's alive, yes. <laughs> grabs Howard, and Howard grabs her with one arm and has the phone in the other hand. <laughs> Howard says, she's gone into the convulsions and fell down the stairs. I think she's dead. As he says this, he gra- has her in the other arm and throws her down the stairs, <laughs> and, she's, and the sc- uh, screen goes to black with a very vivid sound the whole time he's on the phone with 911 right he should have heard they should have heard all that yeah they should have heard all that but the whole time he's like he's like my wife i think she had a heart attack or stroke or whatever he said and then he's like she and then she fell down the stairs yeah and as he says (laughs) fell down the stairs he throws her off the stairs it's hilarious later howard is calling to book a flight with a briefcase full of money. As he's leaving to go to his flight, another note is at the door. It wasn't Baxter. <gasps> it wasn't Mortz. It wasn't Stanhope. It was not Stanhope. The note tells Howard to go to the cemetery mausoleum where Effie is laid to rest. And boy, he is at the mausoleum a figure with a flashlight finds howard waiting for him it's the gravedigger explaining that the women told him to bring howard here the gravedigger says if you if you heard them begging me to bring you here you do it too howard grabs the gravedigger and pushes him against the wall he grabs the gravedigger's shovel and kills him like like while the gravedigger is against the wall, he like basically cuts his head off by yes. spearing him in the neck with the shovel. Yes. As he's opening Effie's coffin, he says, Effie, good news. You're not going to be alone anymore because <laughs> he's about to stash the gravedigger's body right. in there. But the coffin is empty. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Howard says, where are you? And a faint voice says, I'm right here. Howard turns to reveal a zombified Effie. Effie says, I'm so glad you came. I missed you. And then all of a sudden, next to her, a zombie Matilda says, so did I. (gasps) Howard is shocked. Matilda says, I can't live without you. 
And Effie says, we can't die without you. (gasps) All of his victims rise and move closer as he screams and yells, no, as we fade to black. The Crypt Keeper, now pouring wine, says, that's what I call a happy ending. I knew Effie would win Howard's heart and his spleen and his (laughs) kidneys and his gallbladder. Man, some of those brides when they come out are just the makeup of them is awesome. Like oh, they're the, amazing. One that, the one still in the wedding dress, like yes. she's crawling towards him and his, her eyeball falls oh, out. Yes. Oh, it's so it's good. So fucking good. It's so gooey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Crib keeper looks at the skeleton woman and says, anything else? And her head falls off. <laughs> and then he says, I'm <laughs> the dirtiest. I am really sorry. It's the dirtiest thing he has ever said on the show. So far, this is the worst joke. <laughs> this is not my joke. This is the crib keeper's joke. <laughs> Ryan, take it away. Right. As the skeleton woman's head falls off, Cribkeeper looks at the camera and says, I love a woman who gives head and lets you keep it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. So that is the story. Um, I'm, I don't know. It, 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 it almost gives me whiplash. It's a good story. Yes. The effects are good. The acting is great. Yes. It just goes from, this ending comes out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it went supernatural just in, the, not even the last act, like the last five minutes. <laughs> not even the last five minutes, like the last minute and a half. Right. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of whiplash, but, I mean, it's fun. It's it's, it's very yeah. Tales from the Crypty. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It, it's a fine episode. It's yeah. not the strongest episode they could have led with, but it's still fine. Yeah, it's fun. I'm not mad at it whatsoever. It's, it's a, uh, my favorite parts definitely are when... Uh, Effie tells Howard, you're more alive than my husband. And Howard just nods. Like, yeah, yeah I yeah. am. Uh-huh. I'm uh-huh. alive. He's uh-huh. not. Yep. He is not. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a fun story for sure. Yeah. I think everyone does a great job. Mm-hmm. And the, I think it's really, really fun that Tom Hanks and Sugar Ray Leonard yeah. are in an episode of Tales from the Crypt together. Why? Who knows? Reasons. But, yeah. Why? Well, I mean, yes. Tom Hanks directed it. Right. Yeah. And I could not find anything else that he had directed. There's no other credits on like IMDb. But the thing, unless you told me, it still felt like an ordinary, like uh, it, it was shot the episode. same yes. as it tells from the first yes. episode. And, but he went on to do like be a producer at HBO, do things like from Earth to the Moon. Oh and, yeah, and uh, Band of Brothers, or whatever. And I, th- I wonder if this was like the stepping stone toward that. Like maybe, like you know, well, you be a producer, but you got to direct something first and show right. what you got. Yeah, he's like, I did. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Yeah, I directed Sugar Ray Leonard. And like, oh <laughs> yes. shit. He's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's that fun. was only his. Se- He's been in a, f- a couple of things, more than a couple of things. This was only his sex. Sugar Ray Leonard. This was only his second role, I think. Oh, really? The other one was like himself on Married with Children. Really? This. Yeah. Everyone played themselves in Married with yes, Children. Yes. Yeah. There's a whole. My favorite episode is uh, when Anthrax, the band, yes, yeah. was guest. Yes. And they played in their living room. Right. Um, pretty cool. I think that was the same episode that was supposed to be like. It also took place at the radio station. I think Part so. of it, yeah. That was supposed to be a spinoff for another series. Really? Yes. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, now, take what you've heard so far. Yeah. And try to remember the bones of it. Yes. Because the, yeah. the, the comic the is... The frame is there, but... The paint's a lot different. Yes, it is. So, this is Tales from the Crypt, number 33. This, this was the same issue as Lower Birth. Yep, I yeah. noticed that too. Yeah. Um, written by Bill Gaines, now Feldstein. Art by Ghastly Graham Ingalls. Howard Throne is a con artist that marries rich women for their money, only to kill them to take their wealth for himself. 
He recounts the history of his scheme to his dog, King, along with how much he despises each of his victims. But when he starts corresponding with a potential new victim, Howard discovers she is drop-dead gorgeous. He thinks he may be able to finally end his con and settle down. What Howard doesn't know is that by catching feelings, he may be digging his own grave. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. dun. Yeah. Because <laughs> he does actually like, he's like, he kind of falls in love with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. But the thing is, this is before our time. Uh, this story premiered December 1952. Uh-huh. So there's some language that's very interesting in this one. Was it common for people to date via pen pal? I, I don't know. Enough to where you're like, hey, I'm going to, because there is a proposal. Yes. Via mail where they haven't met yet. Yes. And I just don't know. Is that very common? I don't know how common that was. Oof, that'd be crazy. I think Could it might imagine? have been common, more common like earlier, but in like in the 50s. Like I have, I have no I have idea. idea. That'd be interesting. Like, hey, but, Grandpa, how'd you and Grandpa but, meet? And he's like, I, I met an ad, I, I read an ad. What he refer, you know, that I, I've, I've known people, or I've know of people who that happened to. Hmm. Right. Um, I think uh, one of my wife's grandmothers was a mail order bride. Really? I think I think it was her who told me like it was her grandmother was a mail order bride, but. The actual metal order bride was her sister. Her sister got sick, and so her grandmother went in her place. Wow. Yeah. I think Dang. it was her, yeah. Yikes. Um, Weird. But um, he refers to the flirting they do in the letter writing. Did you notice what he calls it? No. He calls it lovemaking. Oh. Yeah. That's not what We've been making means. love through letters. But, but he's not talking about like they were like sexual letters, like how we talk about making love now. Right. He's just talking about like just showing romantic interest. Right. And flirting courting. and stuff. Yeah. Courting. Yeah. Courting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Let's make a courting. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make a courting. Yeah. It doesn't, make, doesn't have the same zip to it. The same, yeah. It doesn't have the same zip. Yep. Anyway. Uh, we ready? Yeah. Once again, this is None But the Lonely Heart. Tales from the Crypt, number 33, released December 1952. The old witch is narrating in which she says it was simple for Howard. He was good looking old maids and widows were attracted to him. Howard with his dog King. There's no dog in the, uh, no, they, and you notice the play on names. Yes. In the first one, he was Howard Prince or the episode. He was Howard Prince and this he's Howard throne and his dog is King. Yes. I don't know why they changed the names, even though Throne is an odd name. You don't usually, I don't think I've ever heard anyone with the last name Throne. No, I have no idea. Howard, with his dog King, reads a letter from an old lady who is interested in him from the lonely ads. The woman in the picture is gorgeous. And Howard says, with a woman like that, I might quit this racket and settle down. In the letter, she apologizes for her picture being two years old. This is a clue. Wink, wink, nudge, <laughs> nudge. He re- he reminisces with his dog about the first letter and the photo that came with it seven years ago, in which we are now entering a flashback yeah. sequence, which is most <laughs> of the rest of the comic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Put a soft filter on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to Howard, uh, the flashback is Howard getting a letter from Matilda, an ugly woman, but she's rich. He pawned his watch for a plane ticket and a new suit of clothes to meet her, and they get married. Now, the Howard in this is not as young as the Howard in the episode. Oh, he's yeah. A, he's a silver fox. Right, right. He right. looks like an old-time like silent film movie star. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's got that thin Vince McMahon mustache. Oh, God. Don't. Oh. <laughs> I saw that picture today. Oh, dude. 
<laughs> it's like he went to his barber and was like, make me look like the creepiest dude you can imagine. <laughs> make me look as sleazy as possible. Yes, yes. dude. Just fucking die already. I got you, fam. <laughs> He's a billionaire, though. Like, no. like, Well, the problem is that I don't think he has many people around him that tell him no. He needs it. He needs it. I'm going to say, you could respectfully say no to your friends and loved ones showing yeah. that you care. Yeah. To disparage them from looking like a creepazoid right just saying she didn't know he looks like he looks like a terrible version of tony stark's father oh god (laughs) howard stank Uh, okay yes i'm sorry continue (laughs) howard says to his dog poor matilda she didn't know that we loosened the cellar doors and it shows her falling down the stairs in which by the way he says we that good boy didn't do yeah yeah yeah. King is innocent. Yes. You know, he, I I kind of wish, or I, I kind of pretended while I was reading this that the dog wasn't actually named King. This is his nickname for him. Oh. Like, you know, hey, Kings. Oh, nice. Yeah. Stay strong, Kings. <laughs> yeah, stay strong, Kings. <laughs> but the fall didn't kill Matilda, so he goes up to her with an axe to finish the job. Which, which this is kind of a callback to <clears throat> the episode, which he when he tries to kill Effie, he doesn't kill her the first time. He has to throw her downstairs. Yes. And this when he, her, her going downstairs doesn't kill her initially right he goes on to sell the house they had together and walks away with sixty thousand dollars Ooh, that's a lot of money back then oh yes when he sells the house neighbors ask why in which he says i can't stay with all the memories oh poor guy (laughs) oh the second victim is effie another ugly victim howard says to his dog how long did she last before she fell out of the apartment window? Then later, the apartment manager says, oh, we hate to see you go. And Howard says, the apartment is just too big. He gives himself a nickname, too. Did you notice that? No. He calls himself the Fresh Air Fiend for Ooh. pushing her out the window. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Howard says, this apartment is so big and it feels so empty now. Oh, He's good. Yeah, he's, good. he's good. He's good. Yeah. The third victim, Luella. I think so. And he says is fat and the ugliest of them all. They get like, married. He gives her weight as this like extraordinarily heavy weight. And it's not that heavy. It's not that heavy. No. Oh, he says she's almost 200 pounds. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my fat ass. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they get married. Hey, hey, huh. you're gorgeous. Don't let the men tell you anything, but. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So are you. By the way, thank it does you. look like you've lost weight. I, yeah, I, I've, I've actually gained a little bit of weight. I'm disappointed with myself. Yeah, but that hair. Thank you. <laughs> we're the only ones that are gonna laugh at that <laughs> they get married and he drives off a cliff jumping out at the very last second he then tells king that they made a cool seventy thousand dollars from that but is disappointed because on that land they later found oil the fourth victim is veronica the oldest and he poisoned her with non-traceable poison essentially most of this story yeah is Howard him bragging bragging to his dog about all his victims <laughs> while he's swooning over his uh the the, the current the, the current girl who he thinks is who he's going to settle with right and because she's rich and how beautiful. desperate for attention are you that you're bragging to your dog I will take no dog slander on this podcast no no no, no. that is not slandering the dog what, no, I'm saying like he yeah. goes we did this yeah no we did this yeah no. no no you did this King is a good boy yes he, he is. is such a yes. good boy yes I wonder what happened to King after this story. Well, we know. Do we? Yeah. We'll get to it. Okay. 
And he says that from that old lady, they made a hundred thousand dollars. This and, dude's racking it up. Oh, racking it up yeah. big time. Uh, his lawyer says, do you want to sell everything? And he goes, yes, I can't go on without her. And then later he says to his dog, all together, seven victims. We just, we should stop. But Janet's ad is looking for a refined gentleman. And he's looking for Janet's oh, yes. ads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> During the next few months, he and Janet exchanged letters. And by the way, Janet is this good-looking woman. Yes. He's like, okay, I'm not going to kill yeah. her. I'm actually going to settle down with her. Very much like um, um, 50s pinup girl looking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He is drooling over her and her large estate with marble floors. She she yeah, describes she describes her house her yeah. home yeah. as a large estate with a lot of land and marble floors. Yeah, another hint. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. He proposes to her in the letter, and she is, is, accepts. And the thing is, he's nervous about it. Oh yeah, yeah. He's anxious. Well, basically, he's acting how his victims act. Yes, yeah. Howard is ready to settle for good, and on their way to Janet Janet's place, Howard checks for her street with a police officer. But when the cop asks what street number, he says, oh, that's okay, officer. I'll find it. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a dark and isolated road, he finally arrives at the gate and says, what the? And it is a cemetery. <gasps> King begins to whine as the car doors open and a zombie Janet attacks Howard. <gasps> and Howard says the line that's in every single Tales from the Crypt story Good Lord. <laughs> Not choke, gasp. Yeah, choke, gasp. Good Lord. <laughs> and the old witch narrates, King leaped from the car howling. The thing closed its uh, flesh-tattered bony fingers around Howard's wrists like a vice in a grip and dragged him from the car towards the mausoleum. <sighs> Janet says, I'm sorry I didn't have more recent pictures of myself. Aren't the grounds just as I described them? <laughs> The old witch narrates, the female thing dragged the screaming man in to the satin-draped mausoleum with the stained glass windows across from the marble floor and onto the hardwood bronze-trimmed coffin. All the while, as it closed the lid, as it closed the lid down, it kept murmuring, spewing its foul-smelling breath upon the terror-shrinking face. That's so good. That's so fucking good. Janet says, I've been so lonely, my dear, but now it's all over. The old witch says, no worries. Janet had a dog named Queenie for King, and it shows the silhouette of a zombie dog chasing King. Oh, I forgot that. Oh. The end. King, get away, buddy. So it's unclear whether or not King... I love how we care about King. Yeah. Um. It shows the silhouette behind, uh, in front of a moon yeah. of a tattered-looking dog mm -hmm. running after King. Yeah. What I think is a German Shepherd. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so... That's a good name for a German Shepherd. King? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but one, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say, because we uh -huh. don't see it, Yeah. that King is still alive. He's still today. alive. Well... He 70 might be, years later. 70 years later, he's still around. Yeah. He's such a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. A good, a good boy. <laughs> and so uh, that's the story. I I, I, I like both, mm -hmm. except with the comic, I like this. He's talking to his dog, reminiscing on his previous victims. Yes. Um, but it's... 
Which is they're so different, fr- though. We see a frame of that every so often. How they tell the stories, like they do a flashback, yeah, and yeah. then we have like the the twist in modern day, whatever. Right? It, it, there's, I, I mean, it may seem like my notes were kind of short, but really, it literally is. He's talking to his dog. He yeah. talks about how he killed her. Yeah. And then there's like one mm-hmm. or two panels of the actual victim. Yeah. So there's not much there. No, there's not. But overall, I think it is a really nice, so, fun story. I like. Okay, so the <laughs> the episode of the TV show gets around the problem of how these undead creatures are communicating. They talk to the groundskeeper, the the grave digger. Who's I get? What would you call him? Like he, a. Um, they call him the grave dig. The grave digger. No, but I'm saying like the title. What someone who can communicate with the dead? Oh, like a medium. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he has to be a medium though. He just talk. It's, they just come out and talk to him. Oh, okay. Yeah, because Treat Williams has no no problem talking to them. But he can understand what they're saying. Oh, uh, that's okay. Um, okay, so I so, thought it was like supernatural. But you're you're thinking that literally they come out the and rising talk to corpses him. are talking. Yes, to him. yes. Um, but um. Still doesn't explain it. They get around the problem of like, you know, who knows about this? Who's who's sending the letters? Right. Right. So I like this idea that there's this corpse shambling to the post office, (laughs) buying stamps. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Somehow gets money. Right. Well, I well, I'm assuming it is the grave digger. Like they're telling him, hey, yeah, 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 go deliver this letter. Yeah. No, I'm saying in the the comic. Oh, yes. In the okay. comic, she's shambling to the post office, buying stamps, licking them, putting them on the thing. That's great. Putting it in the mail. I like she, that story. Way she more. got, she somehow gets the newspaper, puts her classified ad in. And she finds her old photo. Yeah. She puts it in the, <laughs> she communicates over time with him. Yeah. Both stories do not explain how they're alive. No. Or they, dead or living dead. Yeah. In, in the episode, it's just that their love kept them alive. Right. They could not die without him. That's what they say. Right. In the in the comic, it's just, yeah, she's a zombie. She's a living dead. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, he should have jumped on that earlier. She would have looked much better. Oh, well, I mean, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I like them both. For, I'm going to give them both a B. Yeah. They're both good in their own yeah, ways. But they both have this twist out of nowhere. Although the comic kind of sets it up. The comic sets it up a little better. Better, yes. I believe. Yes. Because I like the dichotomy that he essentially is acting like his previous victims did. And she when you go back and look at look at it, she's telling him, like, this is my home. It's marbled. Yeah. Has a stained glass window and satin Plenty drapes. of land. Plenty of land, yeah. She's not wrong. Yeah, this is a picture of me. I'm sorry, I don't have a more, more recent picture of me. Here's a picture of me from two years ago. So she's been dead, you know. A couple a, years. A le- yeah, a couple of years, yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. What would you give the story? A B. Yeah. Yeah. Around, yeah. Uh, like, flat across the board? Yeah, flat across the board. Just, yeah. just B. Not B it's minus, good. just B. Yeah, just yeah. Check, check them both out. They're yeah. both super fun. They do their jobs. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, and definitely a little bit more upbeat than the last episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and next time we're going to have This'll Kill Ya, which is, that sounds very similar to one we covered this uh, last season. Easel Kill Ya. Easel Kill Ya. But th- this is This'll Kill Ya, based on a story from Crime Suspense Stories number 23. I don't, This is this the first time we're covering a Crime Suspense story? No, we've, God, we, well, have, we did Shock Suspense Stories. We, I'll go back and look at it, but I don't think so. Oh, uh, okay. But, yeah, I can't wait for this. It's going to be great. Um, it, I think it's a good, solid season four opener. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. 
Um, we have social media. We do have social media. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Spooky Bruce. Why am I blanking on that? Where can they find you, Ryan? You can find me on Twitter at Tor Ryan. And where can they find the show? Can it also be found on Twitter? Absolutely. You can find the show at Crypt Keepers Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We do we have an email have any, address? Yeah, I knew it. I knew it. You, that's fine. I got it. Uh, you can also email the show with any questions, concerns. We suck. We're great. Whatever. Uh, at Crypt Keepers, not at uh, Crypt Keepers Show at the gmail.com. Yeah. Um, uh, if you want to tell us we suck, uh, here's what you do. You write yourself, you write the email, you don't send it, you just, you print it up, delete it, throw it in trash. <laughs> what is it from Back Pos- to the Future? I just can't handle only. that kind of rejection. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah. But I'm the kind of person where it's like, if 10 people, tell me that something I did is good, but yeah. one person says it sucks, yeah. I'll be depressed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to get that fixed for sure. Uh, and I'm like, why am I doing a podcast? We are emotionally fragile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we're both really excited to start season four. Yes. Yes, we are. And uh, do you want to do the outro? Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. See you soon, kitties. There we go. So before we get started, there is a story I've been wanting to tell you, and uh, the perpetrator of the story, they know their penance for this is that it's going to be broadcast on the 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 podcast Ooh, this so is juicy yeah. grapes yeah yeah oh okay. yeah this is one that I, t- I texted you like a couple weeks ago and i was like I did yeah i was like i got i got the story i've just been dying to tell you yeah all right so uh yeah because we haven't seen each other in like three weeks since we recorded the last episode yeah I think yeah so. it's been a while yeah, i missed it's been you a minute. miss you oh yeah <laughs> anyway so uh a couple weeks ago grace had a very bad head cold oh and she was miserable but you know, no fever or anything like that. She didn't. She wasn't. It wasn't the flu. Just a really bad head cold. She's better now. She's oh yeah. She's, oh, she's much better now. Good. And it took her like uh, about three days, three or four days to get over it. Right. Anyway, so she has a b- very bad reaction to uh, cold medicines. Okay. They're harsh on her stomach. Right. And uh, but Wednesday morning in the midst of this, she just broke down. She's like, I can't, I have to go to work. I'm miserable. I have to t- take something. Right. So she took something and she's like, could you drive me to work? And I'm like, fine. Cause her work's like 10 minutes from our house. Okay. Maybe even closer than, than that. So I'm driving her to work and we're, we're getting ready to pull into the area where her office is. Mm-hmm. And she says, she looks at me and says, pull over. I'm about to throw she, she clenched her hand over her mouth to oh. stop herself from throwing up. But at that moment, she projectile vomited into her hand oh. while looking at me. <laughs> and this beautiful angelic creature that I married at that moment became a human claymore mine of vomit. And it shotgun blasted me and my entire side of the car. Oh, my God. It was just all over my face. Like the pressure of her hand like yes. made it just shoot? It just... It just they came out from between her fingers and it was like a shotgun of vomit all over me, all over my side of the car. <laughs> oh, and so she gets out of the car. Sounds like she already got her penance. 
Well, no, because she gets out of the car. I pull over. She gets out of the car. And in the midst of throwing up, continuing to throw up more, oh, she is laughing and going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Blah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Blah. Why is she laughing? Because <laughs> she thought it was funny. I thought it was funny, too. But I had to sit there for a moment, stunned. Like I like, like I was the little girl in Jurassic Park when she gets sneezed on by the dinosaur. Oh. That was my reaction. <laughs> she first. slimed me. Yeah. And I was just, she said, like, the first thing that came out of my mouth was, why? Why did you look at me? <laughs> <laughs> oh no so yeah oh <laughs> so then i just took her home she's That's like a yeah, new not. level of love yes i know i just took her home and i spent the morning it was raining that morning too oh out in the rain cleaning out the car oh <laughs> yeah dude oh I'm glad there was enough better. there was enough there was a puddle where i had been sitting oh yeah <laughs> oh boy you know some people pay for that privilege i know i know i got it for free <laughs> right well no i ended up having to pay for it too because i had to clean out the car and son of a bitch yeah i know damn it show for her around